We are the Nerd Eternal Network. episode of Man, We're Too Old Edition. I'm your host, the experienced some call Jason, and with me today is... CDL113. The token great American novel, Turkey. And the Godfather. I almost said Naval there. Yeah, it sounded like it was close. And the great American Naval! Like the orange or like the belly button? How about both? (laughs) Isn't it? Odd and maybe inappropriate segue. Or lack of segue. We will cut to today's subject. As all of you have heard by now, as any, everybody that's connected to the internet anyway has heard, Stan Lee has passed away. So today we're going to talk about Stan. Kind of, you know, when we became aware of him, our favorite works of his, his influence, uh, how bad, you know, how hard it hit us. Because most of us, He's been, you know, probably a regular part of our lives as much as any entertainer for, you know, our entire life. Uh, he was one of the, I think, one of the last living greats from the Golden Age of comics. Uh, one of the architects of the Silver Age. He had not done as much in recent years, of course, I mean. And he straight coasted through the Bronze Age. Yeah, yeah. Well, as of the 80s, uh, he did a lot at Marvel trying to diversify into other forms of media. Mm-hmm. Were it not for him, you would not have the Marvel television shows, the cartoons, and the movies that we do today. Mm-hmm. Well, he was trying to, he was trying the TV studio back in the 70s. Yeah. yeah. So I think that was when the movies started up with him. Oh, uh, the TV. The, the TV, TV movies, movie, yeah. 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 That, Tended to, well, The Incredible Hulk and The Amazing Spider-Man spun off onto TV shows. Yeah, they were, you know, made TV movies that were yeah. essentially pilots. Yeah. You had the Captain America movie, uh, the TV movie back then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cap had, one, you had a Doctor Strange. Cap had two, Doctor Strange had one, Hulk had a couple that led into a TV show, Spider-Man had, I think, a couple that led into this TV show. So, yeah. So let's start off with uh, really, when were you first aware of him? What was your first kind of memory of him? For me, it would be Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Yep, that's mine. Because he did like the narration on some of those, maybe all of them. Yep, all of them. And uh, so almost as far back as I can remember, I can remember that voice. And the name just calls my dad, it was an old school Marvel zombie, so, you know, my dad would tell me who he was. And, you know, once I got where I could read, I was reading Dad's old comics, which, you know, 
Hey, they had to kind of go back to the early 60s. So he had, you know, the stand soapboxes and a bunch of them. You know, not that I read those as a kid. But... So what about you, Danny? Uh, well, like you, I, you know, as a child growing up in the 70s and, and, and whatnot, I, I can even remember back to the old uh, Marvel cartoons that they fit, that they did in the 60s that I saw in the 70s. He did some of the voiceover stuff in those. And uh, then in the, the comic books, like you mentioned, the Stan Soapbox, and seeing his uh, caricature done up from time to time in the, the Soapbox or even in the, the comic book itself. And uh, every now and then you would have him pop up on... Uh, some talk show, you know, you know, like when they would advertise, you know, some big whatnot going on. Anytime, through most of my life, anytime somebody wanted to talk, you know, somebody like like a news segment or a talk show, if they wanted to talk comics, they got Stan. Yeah. Because he was, you know, a relatively big name, and he had a lot more personality than some of them. Oh, yeah. He, uh, I can remember as a kid, uh, I think it was Johnny Carson had him on there. This was when they first launched the uh, Hulk show. And he was on there, and they had him and Lou Ferrigno. And Stan was just, you know, talking about, you know, the show and the, the business and whatnot like that. And, you know, he had Johnny in stitches. And, you know, because he was, go you know, Stan's just got this charismatic personality. And, you know, I'm a little kid sitting here watching this, you know, and, you know, you're, you, if you, growing up, you were used to watching, you know, folks like, you know, Don Rickles and stuff like that come on, on Johnny Carson at that time. Well, here's this guy, Stan Lee, come on here that's, you know, does Marvel Comics, and he's got Johnny in stitches. That's just unheard of. And he's talking about, car, you know, comic book characters and, you know, Johnny's asking him, you know, tries, you know, trying to ask dumb questions and Stan turns it back on him. Like, oh, no, 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 such and such, blah, 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 you know. And Johnny's like, oh, really? And all of a sudden he's got Johnny enthralled, you know, and it's just like. the, the, the Stan's story of running one of these shows, he was always a good guest to have. Yes. What about you, Todd? Um, I knew his work a hell of a lot quicker than I knew who he was. You know, I was I was a Spidey fan from the Electric Company. Yes, and I was telling somebody this. I can remember as a little bitty fella. I don't think I was in kindergarten yet. One of my cherished possessions when I was that age was uh, you had a Spider-Man impersonator at the mall. I took a picture with him, and I had a signed picture that said, like, pal's always Spidey, that, you know, at six, you think you met Spider-Man, and that was just the neatest fucking shit since ever. Stan himself, I don't know how old I was before I saw the actual person. I remember him in the different uh, advertisements in my comics. Mm-hmm. And once Spider-Man is Amazing Friends came out, yeah, that's when I learned about Excelsior and all that. You know, enough said, anybody that follows me online, I'm real bad to this day about 
saying something they ignored enough said, mm-hmm. which I got from basically the soapboxes and stuff. Yeah. He had a few little catchphrases and stuff he used in those. Mm-hmm. But yeah, my 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 thing with saying is yeah, I didn't I didn't really know who he was until I was up a little older. Up until then, it was just a guy who every now and then would pop up in the comics, or you know, somebody would draw him into a panel of X Men. Because you know, they t- they used to be real bad about putting him or uh, Burn or somebody you know would be like in the background of be you know civilians going by mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Or the cabbie or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, they were real blatant in the Fantastic Four when uh, Mr. Fantastic and Mrs. Woman got married. Yeah. Yeah. Which I want to say they recreated to some degree in one of the movies. Yeah, they did. Except in the movie it was just Stan because I believe Jack Kirby had passed away by that point. Yeah. And in the comic, I think Jack Kirby was the other guy. Couldn't get in there with. What about you, Taylor? I mean, like as far back as I can remember, I remember going, "Yeah, Stanley, who did Spider-Man," because as you know, very small child, I watched. I believe it was Amazing Spider-Man. The Nine, the cartoon the, that ran during the nine, the nineties Spider-Man, yeah, yeah, the nineties Spider-Man, and basically one episode was you know multi-dimensional and Spider-Man ends up meeting Stan Lee, and I'm like, ah, oh, it's an old man. That time, didn't know anything. He's like, you know, you're not lying. Said Stan Lee, you know, it was his name, and he, you know, I wrote about you, and I go, oh, he's probably gonna made it, made the show. He put himself in the show that time. And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, he's living the dream now, swinging with his body. That's pretty cool. So like, you know. Just watched the cartoon and went, all right, all I know about this dude is he wrote, you know, he did Spider-Man. So, you know, at that time, I just watched the cartoon and I wasn't about to jump in that comic. Mostly because, you know, I ain't got the, I, I don't have money and it's really old. Like, I'll just stick with cartoons because they, they have a start point and end point and I can understand that. Your thing was there's a lot of back, back history to get into. My thing as a child was always... Did it start any time around that I can start and finish it, you know? It wasn't going to cost you anything. Yeah, because, like, I don't know how I'm going to get issue one through 300 of something. I got no clue how to do that at six. Oh, you cared about issue number at six? Maybe it was just, I want I this. Oh, I got this. Oh, it's, it's issue, you know, 57. Well, and maybe if I was good and paid attention, maybe I'd get 58. Maybe I wouldn't get another until 62, and I'd sit there and wonder, what the hell happened? See, my, my thing was always, I didn't read a book series that was around the house, because we were missing so many of them that were in the attic, and I didn't know they were in the attic at the time. But yeah, it's always, I've always been a, I like to read start, start to finish. I like to read start to finish if I can. Which, nowadays, is a lot easier, but back then it was, I'm just going to stick with these cartoons, all I know about Stan Lee is he's written a couple characters. And then, you know, as I got older, I went, oh, okay, he's written a lot of characters. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I'm not as familiar with all of his work from Dr. 40s. You know, as far as exactly who he created back then. You know, I don't know if he was involved with some Mariner. I think he may have been involved with Cap. I can't remember for sure. Cap was, Cap was his first work. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was watching on the internet uh, something uh, they were talking about when he was introduced into Timely Comics. 
and his first job at Timely Comics, he was kind of like, there was two people already working there, and when he got the job, he basically was the errand guy. He would go get coffee. He would go get supplies. He was the force. He did fairly young. He'd fill the ink wells and erase the pencil marks after they'd inked. Yeah. And they needed somebody to write some filler stuff. And none of the other guys wanted to do it. And I can't remember the name. For the life of I can see the guy's face, but I cannot remember the, the, the name of the guy. And he goes... I looked at Stan sitting over there doing some busy work that we had stuck him with, and I said, hey, Stan, you know that Captain America character we've been working with? I want you to do this. I want you to write a short story with him doing such and such. And, and we're, we're going to put it, you know, there wasn't going to be any artwork with it. It was just going to be a short story to fill in the, you know, these two pages. No problem. He knocked it out like that. And each issue was going to have, you know, a little, you know. And he took that work so serious, he said. Well, pretty soon that became one of the most popular things because of his writing. And we're like, we're wasting him on this. Hey, Stan, write us a book. You know, write write this story. And pretty soon he began writing more and more. Well, when it became Marvel, you know, he said this guy would go home and write, you know, a book a night, or sometimes two books a night, three books a night. And that was the thing with a lot of your a lot of your big name guys back then. Jack Kirby could crank out the art, yeah, in kind of that same in that same kind of volume. And he didn't. And Stan didn't just do superheroes during the fifties when they were using the name Atlas Comics. He did westerns. He did romance comics. Those were a big thing at the time. Yeah. Uh, I forget what else. There were, you know, it was all the genres they did. He bounced around all kinds of genres. Yeah, they, you know, they were they were talking in this little thing about all the different characters that he wrote, and you know, like you said, westerns, uh, military, uh, you name it, horror. I mean, Stan would write all this different stuff. And, you know, like, he might write ten stories and hand out, the you know, to the people that were going to do the work mm-hmm. the next day. They would take it and knock out the artwork for it, and then they would hand it off to the people that were going to do the color work to it. They would knock that out. And within a week, boom, you've got a solid book. You did it in some way you were doing it assembly line style. Especially in the 40s when comics were so big. I mean, they sold good in the 60s, but I don't know, the initial boom in the 40s and early 50s, well, late 30s, early 40s, I don't know that they've ever hit that number, you know, numbers sold like that again. With all of them coming, I mean, they were just cranking out dozens of them. Yeah. Going back and looking at uh, a lot of the characters now that are public domain because the company's failed or whatever. I mean, you had all kinds of Superman knockoffs. I mean, anybody that could crank one out was just cranking one out in the 40s and making money doing it. Yeah. Then you get up to the 60s, and it was somebody at DC that started it. They created the Barry Allen version of The Flash. Because superheroes were, were... The Comics Code Authority had killed the horror comic genre 
basically killed the crime comic, which had been had started eclipsing superheroes through the fifties. But the code wiped them out. Yeah, but the code the code wiped them out, which gave superheroes kind of the another shot. But even they were petering out by the tail end of the fifties. Somebody at DC, I'm blanking on the fella's name. But, you know, he did this revamped version of The Flash. It was very successful. They basically followed that up with the Justice League of America. Julius Schwartz. I'm looking at him. Oh, okay. So, over at Marvel, because I believe they had switched to the Marvel name by that point, well, they come to stand. Hey, you know, do something for us. And him and Jack Kirby got together, did the Fantastic Four, which was based heavily off Challengers of the Unknown, which is another book that Kirby had done for uh, DC. For DC. And you know, that took off, started kind of the Marvel boom. Well, prior to that, Stan had been getting tired of the stories he was telling. He'd been thinking about changing careers, uh, in a lot of ways, that big boom they had at Marvel, a lot of that credit goes to his wife, Joan. Because they were sitting around the breakfast table one time, as I, as the story I've heard. And he's talking about, you know, what to change careers and, you know, talks about the boss coming to him, hey, you know, give us, do us a you know, revamp superhero or, you know, a superhero team to compete with the Flash and Justice League over here. And she was the one basically telling him, well, write the stories. You're thinking about changing careers. Just write the stories you want to write. If it don't work, you change, you know, you change your careers. What's it really going to matter? And that's when he went in and started writing the flawed characters. Or, the, or as I heard him put it in an interview I was watching sometime in the past couple of days, you know, it was an older interview I was watching. He was talking about how you could have, you could give the characters whatever kind of powers, you could put them in kind of whatever kind of weird situations. But what you had to do was make their actions believable. You know, how they reacted to stuff. You made the person believable, even if it was all this fantastical stuff going on around it. Which was essentially the writing style he used to kick off the Marvel boom in the 60s. Really to kick off the modern Marvel universe as we think of it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, people have imitated since then. But that was always the trick with his characters. His characters were always human. Mm-hmm. They were humans that could do other things, but they a lot of them had tend to have human frailties and problems mm-hmm. and stuff, too. And the FF is a really good example of that because you'd have the thing essentially fighting with depression. They didn't put it that way at the time. They just, you know, oh, it's melancholy. And being considered ugly by the world. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, he was in a love triangle. People seem to forget that. The thing was in a love triangle with Sue and Reed. Reed was winning out, and then he's turned into a monster, which is basically a good lord. You know, yeah. He had a whole hell of a lot of unrequited love for yeah. Sue. But you had that. Johnny, while a nice enough guy, tended to be arrogant and kind of full of himself. You know, they were just all given these little personality quirks. And their powers reflected their personalities, but a lot of folks didn't catch that. Yeah. I can I can see that. But uh and I don't know how many characters he came up with. 
not that he came up with came up with them by himself necessarily. You know, there's a whole lot of collaborations. You know, I couldn't I could I couldn't sit here and give you a breakdown of you know, I know him and Jack Kirby did the Fantastic Four. Uh and Hulk. And Thor. And Iron Man. And Spider Man. I can't give the list. Apparently, apparently the Godfather can. Him and was Bill, him and Nico. Him and Bill Everett did uh, Daredevil. Him and Dicko did uh, Strange. And uh, Spider Man. Yeah, Spider Man wasn't Kirby. It was Dicko. Yeah, yeah. And that's the trick. Sometimes it would be other writers, and a lot of times it'd just be the artist. Because I want to say while he came up with. Yeah, you know, we came up with the concept of Spider-Man. I want to say it was the artist that really came up with the iconic look yeah, kind of yeah. on his own. But, uh... It is a... When did he become editor-in-chief? Was that the 70s? Yeah. Yeah. Because his actual work on the comics, you know, was, was kind of cut down by that point. His... Him becoming editor in chief, I think he was the first one to institute the, hey, you know, if this character is doing this in this book, then that means whatever he did in this book carries over to this book over here too. You know, I don't. I think the the relaunched characters and the the relaunch of the Marvel Universe in the sixties, the creation of the Marvel Universe in the sixties, I think was always pretty good about that. Because you didn't have the level of crossover, of constant crossover that you had today. Yeah. I mean, you read early Fantastic Four. My dad did a lot of the early Fantastic Four. The Hulk popped up in some of the early ones a lot. Yeah. Because, you know, the government would... Because, still, yeah, they were basically the super team at the time. So the government was always kind of going, can you go pitch this guy for us? And, you know, as a fan, everybody liked whole thing by. Yep. Yeah. You knew how they were going to turn out when they started, but you wanted to see it anyway. Poor being. Did he ever won one? Uh, he did eventually in the late eighties. Okay. The long losing streak. Yeah. Yeah. He, he he took he took a lot of L before he finally got that first mi- good mix of you had the pineapple thing that had his strength increased and you had the gray Hulk that had his strength decreased. Ben won the first round and then Gray Hulk put him in the hospital. <laughs> By Alex Martin. Yep. Yeah. And you realize, oh, right, I'm smart now. Yeah. And Moxie, right before he delivers an eye blow. Yep. You never could beat me, Grim. Whack. Yeah, he made him run. He made him run. A lot. <laughs> and then chucked him out in the middle of a lake. Yep. Park. And then went down and found him and gave him the Heimlich maneuver up underwater. Because the thing is, like, the whole, you know, yeah. he got the whole lung patch of a well thing. Yeah. So he gave him the Heimlich maneuver. And then let him go, and then when he manages to get up on the shore, he stands there and goes, you never could beat me, Grim. Whack. Lays him out. But yeah, he finally, he did finally win one. According to what I'm reading here, Stan Lee stopped writing month, monthly comics in 1972. Okay. Yeah, which kind of carries on to the thing with me of like not really knowing him as a writer just knowing him as a creator of characters yeah well looking at this date in 1972 yeah I wasn't 
Wasn't a year old yet. Yeah. <laughs> With See, for me, I had read a lot of his stuff. But again, Dad had a large collection of books. I never saw them. I think they were put in storage by the time I was... They are up in the closet with their parents' closet. Yeah, where I used to get them read as a child. Now that I think about it, yeah, because I used to get them down during the summers a lot of times. Every now and then, I just take I take a comic day and I go dig them all out and read through them. But yeah, that was all. That was back before I was really collecting any of my own. So that's been back before you were born. Yeah. And also the stuff that was on the bottom, like Conan the Barbarian. I had no care for Barbarian. I wanted superheroes. I was not a big fan of Conan. Once I got up and read some of the Elric stuff, I dug out. So, but some early Conan that Michael Moorcock wrote. But anyway, you can look at it and you go, ooh, boobies. What? Conan? Conan the Barbarian? Did not have nudity. Oh, Savage Sam Sword, Sword of Conan, Conan. The magazine. Yeah. That my Uncle Waylon left some of at Grandmother's. Yeah, those I looked at with boobies. <laughs> that ain't gonna lie. <laughs> That's even good euphemism, Savage Sword Conan. <laughs> yeah. point. Anyway, but anyway, so what would I will present this to the group, but we can just go around. What would you say is your favorite creation of Stan's? I would have to say the X Men. It's the most diverse group of characters, and it presents the biggest slice of. Society. Okay. I would argue that Stan's version did not necessarily. Because, you know, he created the originals. When you think X Men these days, it was Chris Claremont that came up with the all new, all different. Yep. Think back to Stan's, it was all white. It was all white guys with the Me Too chick. You know, the tag along. <laughs> Good God! No, no. Yeah. Because no, Jean Grey was the weakest member yeah, in the yeah, original run. Yeah, just, no. like, just like Invisible Woman used to be the weakest member of yeah, the FF. Yeah. Again, it was Claremont that... It was just the Me Too line that made me chuckle. Oh, well. That's, yeah. That used to be what you call those characters. I don't know if you're, you're allowed to use that phrase. Then now. Claremont was the introduction of uh, Wolverine and Storm. Yeah. X-Men had been in reprint. X-Men was not a yeah. success originally. The first run of X-Men was... I think it went You're like right. 90 issues, and You're then right. you had 30 issues of reprints of those first ones, and then they relaunched them. Yeah, the, the Cyclops, Wolverine, Colossus, Storm, Nightcrawl, that's that's yeah. the, that's giant size X-Men number yeah. one. Wolverine had appeared in a book before. He'd appeared in a Hulk comic book before. Yeah, yeah. Hulk, yeah, Hulk got, 180 and 181. Yeah, and all, the, all the rest of those, I think Claremont came up with. It. Yeah. Well, him and Cochran, but uh, Nightcrawl. But he's, you know, but Stan started the X-Men... So you're right there. And the whole the whole thing is anti-racism. You know, that was Stan's initial idea with him as well. But that was kind of his belief was that, and it's kind of funny, especially saying that now in a time where people go off about comic books being political, too political. Yeah, that's literally what he was trying to use them for. It was like, hey, yeah. Mm-hmm. You go back and read that stuff. He was addressing drugs. He addressed racism. He addressed the Vietnam War. And, it, you know, it, it, that ain't new. By a long shot. The difference is he wasn't ham-fisted. No, he was telling his story, and the threads of this would, would leak into it. Yeah. What would you say, Todd? It depends on when you ask me, because as a little kid, yeah, it would have been Spidey or Hulk. If you ask me now, it's Black Panther. 
But you know, I I got I got into Panther late and then went back and read the previous stuff. And the one thing that that kind of surprised me when I was going back reading the older stuff is I'd seen you know, Panther in the 90s, I'd seen him in the 70s where he tended to get knocked out first, and I can remember when I got the essential trade that had, like, his first Avengers appearance and mm-hmm. stuff. I remember thinking, oh, God, if he was, you know, this lame in the 70s, oh, God, what's he going to be like in the 60s? And Stan's version kicked 50, 11 different kinds of ass and shocked the hell out of it. They literally brought him on that team as Captain America's replacement, period. And that was just it, you know. It it it, it freaked me the hell out because I did. I I picked it up basically, oh God, what the hell is this gonna be? And hell, he was he was more competent in the under Lee and and heck back in the sixties than hell he was under Mich Michelin and uh and burn in the damn seventies. I almost get the impression in the seventies they was put that they were forced to put him on the team. Well, if you look at Avengers through that period, they were they were on a real big. The writer was really in his anti affirmative action kick because you go look at Falcon on that team. Yeah, Falcon didn't want to be an Avenger at all. And it's when uh, the government basically came in and said, "Okay, we're taking over. You got, you can have. I think it was eight, six, eight slots. And it was this, 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 and Falcon. And you had Hawkeye pissed off because I mean he had to go get a job. No, literally, literally. yeah, he had to go and, get a job. He had security. Yeah, he went and got a job. Yeah, when he had his own series. Yeah, and uh." So many of them had to be women. So many of them. No, it wasn't that. No, it, it didn't do women none. It was black. That was it. They had made one mention about female at all. It was one member had to be black. Because that was the thing is when they were doing the roll call for the new team. Yeah, Falcon wasn't even in the building. They named Garrett, made him an Avenger, and then Steve had to go to Falcon and ask him if he would be an Avenger. So you had Falcon, his whole first run, basically going, hell, I'm like a slave or something. I don't want to be here. And would actually go, well, show enough, master. Yeah, I mean, he would do that, mocking his situation. And then you had Hawkeye would sit back and blame him for taking his spot. Well, you give give that guy my spot for it. Well, that's just it. He didn't want it. He didn't. There's no point in it. And the first chance that they got, uh... When Wonder Man rejoins the team, yeah, Falcon chumps deuces and leaves. But yeah, you had you had Hawkeye treating him like crap, and truthfully, you had Miss Marvel treating him like crap. When you go back and read it, you go back and read those issues. It, it was some weird. It was a weird shit going on mm-hmm. in the writing staff right through there. But if you go back to his first appearance in Fantastic Four, and he captures the entire team. Well, Panther, yeah. Uh, Falcon? Falcon? No. Like I said, the the disrespect for Panther bleeds into, I think, Michelin's true feelings once once Panther's kind of gone and stuff like that. They throw Falcon in there and, yeah, then he just goes full on whatever. Like I said, you can read read that that set of books right there for about a year's worth of 
time that yeah, he he was on some other shit. No, that's that's where it comes to like Stan as a historical marker was kind of strongest fifties, sixties or sixties. As like he just pumped them all out right then and there. Well, yeah, as far as character wise, you can see the muse was a pony right through there. Uh you know, uh him through the nineties, some of his stuff he did, you know. I was wondering were we gonna talk about Stripperella? But you know <laughs> I don't want you to do anything as your favorite. <laughs> what? But by by that same token, uh when he was doing that stuff, which, you know, Trooper got all. He did uh Stanley Creates the DC Universe. Yeah, I like those. A couple of those, the, the, his take on Superman was kind of neat. The rest of them, I think I just flipped through. Superman would actually really I liked his Batman. Because Batman was, his Batman's black. Uh, I, have, I have heard him say before that one of the things he likes about Spider-Man's all-concealing costumes is the fact that anybody could be in there. So any kid that read that could imagine, mm-hmm. as far as Spider-Man himself, you don't know what's in there until he takes the damn mask off. He's just Spider-Man. I, I bring some of that stuff up because, like I was saying before a show, you like, you can go on Twitter after the man passed away and you had, you know, he's racist, homophobic, this, this. And, it, and the, once the Twitter hive mind kicked in, they basically all said the same thing. And it's like, yeah, the dude wasn't, that wasn't Hefner. You know, yeah, yeah, he played Hefner in, in an Iron Man flick. That's not, that wasn't Hefner, you know. The, yeah, you, you can look at his body of work. Yeah, you could, you know, that. you know, he he put black people in places that hell, he didn't have to, and that other people wouldn't. Joe Robinson. Joe Robinson, I'm just reading up on him. Joe Robinson predates Panther. Yeah, he's one of your first black supporting characters that was not a caricature. Or... Yeah. Yeah, that's, that. you know, you may tag, may have to tag with something else, but Bigot ain't exactly one of them. No, no. You can look at his body of work. What about you, Tyler? You're not as familiar with him as a writer, but you said as a creator. What would be your favorite creation of his? I mean, I always go with Spider-Man. Because it's just what I, what I grew up watching. And basically what I bit, built my sense of humor on as a child was, man, if you're going to fight with somebody, you might as well laugh about it. The whole whipping. Yeah, it was just like, just string along as many jokes as you can along your ride. And I just enjoyed that part of it. For me, as a little, as a, hmm. For me, I would probably just have to say the Marvel Universe as a coherent unit. Does that make any sense? And it's not that he can be given sole credit for that. There were a lot of guys doing a lot of work back then. But like like somebody pointed out, especially when he became editor-in-chief, he really kind of kept that. He's like, he he, he sewed the, the quilt. He made sure that the quilt... It's like he laid down the pattern. Yeah, the pattern is like hey, making things. Make make sure this quilt looks right. Yeah, and I think that's one, and it and that lasted for a good while after he was out. 
Because he did it in chief for a while, and it made him... Chairman, Chairman Emeritus. Well, that was later. Because for a while there, he was like a big wig in the business side of it. That didn't necessarily go all that well. He's admitted in interviews, yeah, that, that, that was not where I fit. You know, editor-in-chief, sure. Hype man. I mean, he was, he was a great hype man, truthfully, for the entire comic book industry. Yeah. You know, Marvel specifically, but like I said, anytime... Anytime the norms when they talk to somebody about comics on a show or an interview, yeah, Stan was who they went for. You know, he tried to keep things publicly, he'd keep things cordial between, you know, the competition. He referred to DC as our distinguished competition. Down the street or down the road or something like that. Because the offices weren't that far from each other. Yeah. And I think the I think the industry these days has really used another editor in chief like him. Hell, these days they could use the editor in chief, period. Because I don't think they got one. Oh, I'm sure Kane's But I would like to make a brief note how you said, you know, competition down the road, how their offices are looked together. You know, Stanley was born in New York, began work in New York. And you can see that in, also in his work where everything centralized in New York. Yeah, pretty much. You know, he had a love of that city and. But it's also just a thing of, he was always in the right place at the right time, but he also had the skill set to make it work every time he showed up at it. Yeah, he got the opportunity. He could capitalize on it. He was in a place where he ran into the opportunities very often, but he made good use of every single one. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a few years of military service as a playwright. One of, the, one of only a handful of people yeah, in the military. It's, to, it's to give one of the rarer things to be titles to be given in the military. And that was while he was working at Marvel. You know, he had left. Yeah. He left Marvel, went into the military. Uh, I'm blanking on the man that took over after that, after he was gone. But, you know, then after the war, he, he just yeah. came right back. One of the one of the things that that I think needs to be mentioned about him is his. Uh, Many uh, cameos. You know, with, without those, you know, brightening up some of the, not well, not just the Marvel movies, but some of the other cameos he's made in other movies. You know, those are, you know, have brightened up many TV shows and, mm-hmm. and movies. Well, know. the ones he's been doing for Marvel. You got a whole other generation of kids that are going to know who he is for all yep. the rest of their life because yep. of that. But, you know, you you see him and you go, hey, that's Stanley. You know, it, you know, as a as a fan of his books, as, as a fan of Marvel, you see him, you've heard the voice, then you see the face, you see, and it's like, that's going to take away from the movies for me because, hell, anybody that sits near me during those, yeah, that's always my, hey, Stanley. <laughs> to be fair, they've got they've probably got the next quite a few lines. Oh, uh, I know he's done the he's done Marvel. He's done a big, he's he's Marvel. Done, he's done Avengers. Infinity War. I don't know about anything after that. Yeah, don't know if he's done Far From Home or any of that. And also to be fair, probably done some mocap work to set up for a CGI version of himself. Tricky is they ain't interested in CGI stand unless it's in a cartoon no, or some shit. No, but what I mean is they'll they'll probably finish out the the main movie universe. Well, he since he's done Avengers Four, kind of if, if, yeah, oh, yeah, Avengers Four is it. Yeah. 
like I said, it's 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 knowing that after that it's truly going to be different because one of the things that I've always looked forward to in the movies is mm-hmm. looking for Stan. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, like all that. Yeah, he's always been my Waldo. But it's like <laughs> not, yeah. not, not that they've ever hidden him all that well. But like the Netflix stuff, sometimes they do. Sometimes it's a post on the wall or something. You hey, or hell, remember when we went to go see Big Hero Six and he turned out to be one of them's dad. <laughs> Stan. Yeah. It's well, it's like uh Chris Helmsworth I saw on Facebook today. Uh he's called for all the heroes. For all the actors, all the original, all well, all the original Avengers, and any of the people that have acted in any of the Marvel movies, hey, we all need to show up to stands, you know, for Stan. Can you imagine if they all do costumes? No, no. Not, I have not, seen no. online where somebody's like, "Everybody go come to Stanley's funeral costume." Only normally, only if his daughter is cool with it. That's one of the things that the family goes, that's a cool idea, then go for it. Otherwise, no. Normally, that's one of the kind of things where I go, it might not be the greatest idea in the world, but the way the man lived, you'd probably get a kick out of it. Yeah, I don't think he would. I got to come down to you. I had his family go back. But, you know... I have to expect the the road to his his funeral to be lined with cosplay. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. But just having the 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 actor, all if if all the actors that have played the different characters show up, be it the Avengers films, the X Men, it'd films, be a lot of people. It would get. I mean, well, there, it, unless they keep it secret, they're going to be a lot of people. Yeah. I, I now I now I just enjoy the all right. These four seats are for the Spider Men. These three seats are for the Johnny Storms. But there, wait, is there's the Wolverine seat. Wait, but he's also Captain America. How do we do this? Well, clearly we put the FF next to the Avengers. He sits in the middle. Yep. Yeah, we have That's to. Easy. We have to. And then right. you have to have the Panther crew next to them because then you got Johnny Storm and Killmonger. <laughs> yep. It'd be Avengers, Fantastic Four, Panther crew. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it works. We should work. Yeah, we should volunteer to design the layout. Then you gotta have so, so many seats for the Hulks. Yeah, because Lou's still around. There'd be what, four of those? Yeah. It'd be Ferrigno, Banner. Oh, you, and, uh, you, and the TV Spider Man's yeah. still alive, so you gotta add, add a seat for him. Oh, you know the voice actors. Yeah, that's that getting complicated. Alright, now there's a Spider Man row. <laughs> yeah, it's a, but anyway. <clears throat> Alright, where were we at? I really lost Sorry, I can't yeah, help yeah, it. Yeah, you, you get weird. Oh, I get to the But see, Stan would have appreciated that. Yeah, possibly. Maybe we just got stuff That's right, that's right. Because you, you did a, an amazing cop out answer. I can't pick one character. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. It could be like, it's hard for me to decide. You know, as a child, I was not a cat fan. Yeah, powers. I thought the shield was neat. I liked him in the Avengers. Yeah, but I wanted my superpower people to be superpower. You wanted yeah. blasts and beams and lasers. Right, right, right. I just knocked people through walls, you know. Yeah. I like Batman stuff all right as a kid. I like Batman all right as a kid. I'm not necessarily a big fan of the Batman books that Dad had. Blasphemy. Anyway, yeah. But you're right, there was a cop out in I like the universe. Well, I, hell. I think all of damn near all of us could do that. Yeah, well, y'all all had specific something you could, you could run to. I'm sitting, I'm literally sitting here going, uh, mm, er, 
Well, I really didn't want to say how much I like Cyclops. What? Because he, he kind of get he kind of get pooed on a lot lately. Really? Yeah, you know, the X Men movies. I was like, oh, sweet laser eye man. Oh. So. <laughs> oh. oh. Yeah, they they never have used him in the movies. Of oh, the original X Men, he was always my favorite. Well, of course. And that laser eye. And that carried over into all new all different. But I also like him. But he had competition there. I just liked him because the whole, yeah, wear these goggles for the hat too. What happened? You didn't. You'd all die every time I looked at you. That's that's kind of sad, bro. I'm sorry. Well, that goes that goes back to the logic of big flaws. Like bring it. I'm glad you have a hot girlfriend. Bring it in though. It took a while to build up that though, because they were all basically actors in the original. Yep. Maybe because she was the only. Ooh, she was it. Like, she was Smurfette. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. But anyway. But back to our host, man. I'm sure you have. I like. I like how you. They were all after Gene, and I almost went not Iceman. He was back in the day. Yeah. I know. Well, see, once she realized, oh, you mean I can affect people's brains? No, I'm not interested in Ice Man. I'm still waiting for that cop out. I know that cop out is coming eventually. They're probably when they change writers. Yeah. You get a writer that really don't like it. I don't like it. So you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna recon the hell out of it. That devil crazy. She made him gay. <laughs> Truthfully, I'm waiting for Cable to do it because that's the whole thing is extinction. The whole plot line of extinction, you gotta go back, and you gotta go back the way you were. Mm-hmm. Back in the closet with you. Slam. Let's see. His more recent works. He had mentioned Stripperella. And he did a book called. And it got a, they did a cartoon of it that I don't think lasted very long. Stan Lee's Mighty Seven, Mighty Six. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about Hero Man. Well, that's, that was his really, really recent something. Well, I mean, what was the name of that TV show he did that one season uh, where you had the people all create a character? Oh, I actually really like that show. Oh, oh yeah. reality TV, Who yeah. Wants to Be a Superhero. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Who Wants to Be Stan Lee's Who Wants to Be a hey, Superhero. Well, I like that except for Stan Lee's one thing about the guy that had a hero that killed people. But other than that, good show. Yeah, the, I think they did two seasons. I only saw the first season, but I saw a lot of the first season. And I wonder how much of it, how much of the ideal man Stan Lee was for it. If he was, then it was then, he, then it was brilliantly done. Some dark. He deserves some credit because a lot of that show was well done. But yeah, he had a he he had a beef with the one guy that had like a gun arm. And One guy had a very 90s-style character that he came up with. Then when he gets kicked off the show, Stan basically brings him back in as a villain. So he's still in the show, but he's no longer really a contestant. Yeah, my whole thing was that was like, in my mind, I was like, didn't you help create? Did he not? Or did he? Who? Um, Punisher? Thank you. I don't know if you were right Spidey when Punisher came out or not. And keep in mind, Punisher did not pop up as a hero. Nope. Yeah. He was a problem. Yep. Punisher was was the problem you know. that you had to solve. Yeah. You know. Now, he was one of those multifaceted characters. Well, yeah, he's not an evil douchebag. Well, when he first popped up, if you jaywalked, he would kill you. Uh, Depending on what version you had. That wasn't quite his first appearance. That was a little yeah. bit later. Yeah, it was about it. 
But yeah, talking about that reality show, that, that's something like he is. I had forgotten about. He did not do Punisher. Okay. I was thinking it was. I, I was actually thinking that was somebody. Yeah, else. I've I've got a, a list of all his created characters in alphabetical order. It's Punisher two, don't it's go two back. Two pages all that long. Lot of games. And that's also my thing with like with how many with how many characters he made. I'm like, I completely understand. In my growing up, yeah, I didn't. I didn't, I don't remember seeing him make a new character that I was like, he's made a character while I'm you know he's made a character that I can match up with age wise and move forward. I don't remember any character he made. Well, most of the stuff he did by that point yeah. was for little independent companies or stuff he started himself. Like I said, that, that Mighty Seven. Hope I'm, hope I'm getting that name right. Uh, it, it truthfully just was not great. I ain't gonna lie. It was not his best work. But, like, at this point in my life, I completely understand him not having as much to give. Oh, yeah. Like, after you've made two pages of individual characters that shoot off to the fucking moon, how do you keep doing it? Yeah, how do you keep originalizing it? And that was the thing that that, that Mighty said that was a team book. And I also think that's why, like, why so many people bring up Stripperella is, like, it was a moder- you know, moderately successful. I'm pretty sure Stanley just went, I'm going to do this one as an exercise, can I? Well, he was a big Pamela Anderson fan. You know, that was who Stripper Lowe's modeled after, that's who did her voice. And, you know, it's a spoof. It, it was not meant to be yeah, something that we could take it seriously. You know, I, I laugh about the fact that he did Stripperella. I'm not actually mocking the man for it, though. He yeah. did a spoof. It, now, the Hero Man thing, I'm not up on that. What did he do? It's a manga. And it, it it's very much just plays in the traditional trope of you've got a guy with some superpowers, gets into a giant robot, fights some monsters. Very much it's in line, line with that. Had, I believe, either a 24-episode season or two 12-episode seasons. Oh, because it was a show he did. Well, it was a manga, a game show. Okay. There's one other manga he worked on, maybe two others, but I, I think it was Ultimo. I don't recall right now. But he did some... Limited. He dabbled in it, just, yeah. dab, just, just was like dabbling in, in Japanese comics. And supposedly he's got a last creation that his daughter has said they're going to go on and do something with. Uh, Dirtman. Is that really what it was? Yeah, I think. I think it was Dirtman. Uh, the little blurb I read about it, it didn't say the name, so I didn't have Wow, that put a hush on the room, didn't it? <laughs> well, why? It's a man. Dirt man. <laughs> what? It's just a name. Oh. No, that wasn't even dark humor. No. <laughs> the whole room. That was something. news to me. I because it's like, okay. Duh. What? Are you saying you're wrong? I think I'm just, you know, first I heard of that. I don't know. But, uh. But, you know, man lived to be 95, almost 96. If he'd made it to next month, he'd have been 96. Uh, you know, and if you kept up with him at all, you knew he'd been slowing down these last few years, you know. Yeah, he's had several bouts of pneumonia here. Tricky, isn't it? The, the, the sick started once his wife, Joan, yeah. passed away. The sick started then, him doing less cons, less yep. public events. Yep. Uh, that was truthfully when I started to get worried about him. When I yeah. heard that his wife had passed away, I said, so she passed uh, away a year ago. Yep. I've got the date here somewhere. 
Uh, see, when did she pass? 2017, I believe. Yeah, I, I was wondering if it had the, the month, but it doesn't. Doesn't the thing I'm looking at. Uh-huh. Married her in 1947. Yeah. That is a good long time. Yep. Believe she was a hat model when she was younger. Which, you know, for me, that's me sitting there going, Combo, you married the model. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but he had, he had a bombastic personality where you could see him pulling, pulling something like that. Yep. And yeah, I tried not to talk about it because I didn't want to talk that evil into existence. But yeah, I was worrying. When she passed, I was like, well, he's, he stays active. You know, maybe that'll keep him going for a while. But, you know, you stop and you slow down. She passed away July of last year. July of last year. But uh, I think it was Todd McFarlane, you know, creator Oh, of yeah. You read that, too, where he was saying. Where he was saying one of the last times he talked to, to uh, Stan. Because, you know, a lot of the big, a lot of the, even the current big time creators, a lot of them were keeping contact with Stan because it was he was a legend in the industry. And sometimes he'd straight up savant in character, maybe. Hoping for that miracle. <laughs> but, uh... Right now, I blanked on Spawn's creator. Talk about McFarland. I know, I just said it. It's now. like Seth McFarland, but with respect. Yeah. But anyway, McFarland, in, in a little thing, was saying one of the last times he had talked to Stan, Stan was saying he just wanted to see Joan. So while he was still putting on the, he was still Stan when you when you talk to him in public. I think maybe he was getting ready to go, which you know at ninety five is perfectly reasonable regardless. We you know brace him for it. Yeah, let's be honest. Be you know ninety four, ninety five years old is a pretty damn late to be trying to learn a new way of life and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's. You know, been married. I mean, it's one thing if you were somebody like, oh, I don't know, Ric Flair has been through 50, 11 wives. Yeah. But you, you may be with that one person. All that time? Yeah. So let's see, 47, 57, 67, 77, 87, 97, 2007. That's 70 years. Yeah. That's a good long time to hook up with one person. Yep. That, that's longer than some folks have been alive. Like everybody at this damn table. Everybody yeah. in the room. <laughs> Probably everybody listening. Yeah, it could be wrong. We could have an octogenarian out there. Age, pure. They like to hear the kids complain that they're old. <laughs> <laughs> Back in my day, G.I. Joes were a foot tall. Well, that's our my day. That's our day. Yeah, you ain't got to go quite hey, like that far. Our dad's in his 60s. So almost 70. I'm in the 70s. Okay, my G.I. Joes were a foot tall. And they had felt hair. Yeah. And if you pull the string, they'd tell you something. Digging up your kid. What? <laughs> All right, let's start. Let's start. Uh, wrestle this back over to Stan. Before we get I'm a comedy off. man. I'm sorry. Dang it. Yeah, I know. I know. We were getting dark and depressing for a second there. But yeah, as far as... I, I did not know Stanley's age when he passed because he... For a lot, for my term for it is Bob Barker syndrome, where he's looked the same for multiple decades. Yeah. Here lately, you can see a little bit more of the age. He didn't look different per se, but you know. But also, he wasn't. A, you know, he was losing. He'd lost weight. You know, the typical, the typical stuff you're gonna do as you get older. But also, like in the movies, you make it up, make up a little bit. And I only ever saw him in movies, so he that's fair. The same that's fair. Consistently. Well, well, I was more likely to see him, you know, with somebody posted or. Yeah, yeah I didn't like. Video. You know, 
take a little telescope and just go, what's going on in his house? He didn't do anything like that. The, the past couple of movies, though, they have had him sitting down, you know, that kind of thing. Or so, an exaggerated costume. Yeah. The, uh, uh, talking about... No, no, he looked like pretty much Infinity War. He looked... Was the first time that he, to me anyway, he looked old. Black Panther, you didn't. Yeah, it was, yeah I'll just keep these for safekeeping. Yeah, that, yeah. that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah Stan, man. Look, he's stealing people's shit. Okay. I made you, I get this money. You know, hell, even the line in Infinity War. What's the matter with you kids? The first time you see the spaceship? Yeah. And you sit there going, in Stan's humor, yeah. New York. That should be a giant guy floating there. Uh, Realize how damn jaded you'd be if you lived in in that city? Well, if you didn't become jaded, you'd move out. That's true. Yeah. Your first first giant guy, you leave. Oh, hell no, I'm out. Go. What sec? You basically just, you know, look at the map and go, Hey, what section of town is Daredevil operating in? The only most I gotta worry about then is the guy that shoots people. Mm-hmm. Nope. Ain't going outside in Marvel Universe. They have giant rat men in the sewer. Ain't going out. <laughs> they do. New York is just off limits for you. Yeah, I don't go to real New York because of the rats. And then you tell me you got a fucking anthropomorphic rat why man run around? Oh, hell His no. thing's like, why wouldn't you just go to New York and be like, hey... Are you J. Jonah Jameson? Yes. Can you give me powers to hunt Spider-Man? Sure, why not, kid? You get powers and you leave. That didn't work out too well for the Scorpion. Nope. <laughs> hey, you want powers to hunt Spider-Man? Yeah. Oh, God, I'm so kind of free. Hey, I'm going to kill it. Off. I'm going to kill that. You know, we're talking about all the heroes you made. I wonder how many villains he made. Because it had yeah, to be multiple yeah, villains yeah, for yeah, hero. Yeah, it's hell. It's, I was looking at that list. It was huge. Everything from Abomination to Baron Zemo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was not. That was close to good. That was close to good. But he just said Abomination to Zemo. To, to Zemo but yeah, yeah, he just went Abomination to Zemo. I know that. But you went from A to B there <laughs> instead of A to Z. I was true. like, you were that close to an A to Z, and that would have really. That was almost great, but it, it was almost great. But I'm like, you went from A. To be. <laughs> Alright, so any final thoughts on Stan and his lengthy career? I don't know, my, my, my whole thing is like, I'm sad he's gone for the historical relevance, you know. But mm-hmm. to me, he has always been a man of the past. That you, you know, that you're happy to bring him forward and be like, you know, this is my grandpa who built this house we live in. Thank you, grandpa. And grandpa goes, you're welcome, kid. Now, can I get back to the hot chocolate? Yes, Grandpa, I can get back to the hot chocolate. Just want to know we respect For Uncle Stan. I think we can start referring to Uncle yeah. Stan. Like but, you know, it is, this is the man we love. We're happy to have him around. But his body of work was basically done. But, yeah, by the time I had seen anything, I only saw him in cameo. I never saw him produce something in front of me. Mm-hmm. So I was always like, well, thanks for all the stuff I'm going to be reading. But, you know, that was it. It was a thankfulness for work that has already been done. What about you two? You're the oldest people at the table. He's older than me. He's older than dirt. I, I'm going to miss Stan. I, the other day when I logged on and, and I found out that he had passed, it was like, 
a punch to the gut. Yep. Because, mm-hmm. you know, not just as a comic book geek, but as, as a reader, as, you know, as a nerd in general, you sit and stop and think about how much his work has affected, you know, uh, pop culture in general. Yeah. The people that write movies that have read comic books to go on and write some of the modern day movies or the TV shows that we watch or the books that we read. He inspired a lot of people that didn't necessarily go into comics themselves but went into other creative avenues. Yep. And you sit there and you go, Oh my goodness. Because, like, you'll sit and watch a show sometimes and you'll catch a reference or a word, a way they phrase things, and it's like, I've heard that before. They got that from Stan. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, hey, somebody has read a, a, a Marvel book before. I think it reduced, for me, it reduced the amount of, of magic or innocence in the world. Yeah. I remember talking to Tony because I found out at work, I was talking to him driving home. And it was just kind of like, my God, growing up really is, you live to see everything you loved as a child die. <laughs> Years ago, my father mentioned something to that effect. I forget who it was that had passed, but we had him talk about that. But, you know, I was kind of like, because I think about my childhood and go, well, when, you, when I looked at Michael Jackson, it was, well, I couldn't imagine a world that didn't have Michael Jackson in it. And then he died. And it's like, well, damn. Well, it's prison. Well, shit. Now I got to imagine a world where Prince ain't in it. Now it's another one. Like, damn, now I gotta imagine a world without Stan, because I'm so many of the cartoons and shit that I listened to at the time were mm-hmm. narrated by him and stuff like that. You know, like I said, hell, I, anybody that sits next to me in the movies, yeah, anytime he popped up with his cameos, that was my always <laughs> Stan. It's just something that I was used to doing that you figured. Realistically, you know that you can't do it forever, but you thought you were going to do it longer than this. Mm-hmm. You know, realistically, the man's 95 years old. That's old as dirt for a person. But yeah, brain, he had a good run and was in good health. For yeah. Life. I mean, but can't your, your brain always goes, this will take me to the end of the line. Yeah. Well, it's always been like this. This man yeah. has always been a presence. You know, not, not a, maybe not a daily presence, not... Not like a family member, maybe like a distant family member, but just kind of always there. Yeah, you know, yeah. Celebrity deaths don't usually hit me too hard. You know, I'll sit there and go, oh, that's a shame. Especially if it was somebody alive. Fans hit me pretty hard. It's, it's. Yeah, like I said, not I Not as hard as I thought it would, but that, but after, but after I'd heard the news, I realized I've been bracing for it for a few years. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. I. Like I said, my yeah. thing... As opposed to, like, the last celebrity one that really got me was Tom Petty. Big pop Tom Petty fan. And that came out unexpectedly. Tom wasn't that old. He wasn't in bad health. He was just kind of all of a sudden. That was me and Prince. Prince, yeah. Prince passed, yeah. I was, I was, I was sitting there. Yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah. yeah. Let's, you know. let's watch Purple Rain 24 hours a day. <laughs> See, I think I'm the one obvious. I'm fairly obvious that I'm the one hit the least by this. But it's also just like... To bring this back to anime manga for just a minute, I'm so used to going, oh, I really love this. What's the work of currently work? Oh, he died of exhaustion. And that's a thing that kills series in Japan is sometimes people work too hard. Yeah, you don't you don't get to finish their story because they passed away working too hard mm-hmm. on stuff. 
So, you know, to see Stan, I was like, oh, man. You know, it's that really hope he wasn't actively having to work on, working on something. You know, and when come to it, you know, saw it and went, that's a shame. But at least as a fan of his work, at least. Right, it's it's not like... It's not um, like he was leaving a half-finished story. Right, like, it's not like, oh, I'm sad that, you know, a story he was putting yeah. his heart into will not be finished. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's kind of the other three of them, so what uh, horribly called now man babies, is that, you know, we can actually sit there and go, oh, man, I can remember Saturday morning. Oh. Well, I can remember sitting there with this. Oh. <laughs> Like I said, it's it's it that that's a cold truism, but hell, it's, it's a truth. Tony was like, "Hey, it's like grown up, it's like you get to see everything you love die." Mm-hmm. Ew. Well, in that macabre. <laughs> yeah, I am glad. I'm glad that he made it as long as he did. I'm glad he got to see the stuff he worked on blow up in such yeah. a huge fashion. Yeah. I mean, even if he hadn't made it to see the movies. The comics had gotten big. He brought Marvel from always being second place to always being first. I mean, that's changed recently. But, but to see I how am, many of his characters have become billion-dollar properties. Yeah. Yeah. I I am, mean, that would have been unimaginable to him in the 40s. I am, I am curious to see how how things will carry on without him. Without I don't know how much influence he necessarily I don't know. Had. And the truth is, I hate to bring this up to end on a negative note, but where we're kind of braced for the Marvel movies to start going downhill, because, you know, they've been peaking for a while. If they crash and burn, part of me is going to be glad that, well, at least he didn't, at least he didn't see that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't expect it to completely crash and burn, but if the quality goes downhill, at least, you know, more than likely he has seen the more or less finished version of, of, of Avengers 4. Yeah. So he's seen kind of the wrap of the original something, you know, before they start changing up casts and stuff. Well, I guess we need to wrap this up. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Stan's dead, and I think the movie's the next. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's really what I was doing with the final thought. Well, and that was my final. I think we, did we get everybody? Yeah. yeah. Oh, good God, you're really going to end the shit on Oh, Lord. You grow up to see everything you live die. I think the MCU's next. Oh God, the pain. <laughs> if the movies, even if the movies flatline, though, the house that Stan builds is going to keep going. The characters he built. Yeah. You know. And that's true. They'll go for another generation. And truthfully, that's 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 man, the wish that hell any creator has is that hell you come mm-hmm. up with something that lasts out longer than you. Yeah, that outlives you. Yep. And let's face it, he did two pages of that shit. Yep. Uh, yep. 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 I remember one, one interview he, he mentioned that sometimes when he was younger, sometimes he'd be embarrassed that he worked in comics. Yep, because it was a lowly job. Because you had other people doing more important things, and he, then he slowly began to realize the importance of entertainment he, he and was, keeping people healthy and happy. He, he was born Stanley Lieber. Stanley Martin Lieber. And ch- went by Stan Lee because he wanted to save his name for the great American novel that he would one day might write. Because he was embarrassed of doing comic books. And then finally realized, wait a minute. I'm making people happy. Ain't that what Jason just said? Yeah. Is that literally not what Jason just said? Yeah, but... Swing on. And then ended up, you know, legally changing his name yeah. to Stan Lee. Yeah. After he realized, you know, all these comic book characters I made, 
Ah, they equate to a great American novel a couple times over. Good enough. That's true. <laughs> well, the trick is, if you wrote the great American novel, a lot of people are going to read it then. And afterwards, you know, people that want to be seen as intellectuals will talk about it. People, a few people will have to read it in school. But, you know. But I you ain't never going to have a float. <laughs> I've never read The Grapes of Wrath. Uh, I was forced to read To Kill a Mockingbird. But it was a good story. But I was forced to read. You know, I'd go down a list of, of the ones that you have to read in school that, you know, some of them I read, but then, you know, and there's a lot of them that I'll never read, that a lot of people will never read. Where in Stan's case, in Stan's case, I think he hit more people. I think more people have read his stuff. Yeah. His works have been, and more of his work has been read around the world than... When I was growing up, had it not been for my dad's collection, I couldn't have read early Fantastic Fours. I couldn't have read early Spider-Man. Somebody getting the comics now can go back and get on the internet, go back and read everything Stan ever wrote. Yep. Yeah. So somebody has got it archived somewhere. So, you know, there's a very good chance that Stan Lee will never be completely forgotten. Which is a lot which is a lot more than you can say for most people, even in, you know, creative arenas. Yep. So Long live Stan Lee. As legacies go, I think his is pretty good. I think his is pretty well said. That ain't a bad one. So that's less depressing. You can wrap it up there. Yep, I think we will. This has been the experience of some called Jason. And with me today has been... I'm just going to sit with Tarky on this one. The Todd Father. CDL113. And we will see you next time. Excelsior! Enough said.